fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? I'm good. I tried to catch you slipping on the beer, but you were... You're just not fast enough. You were on it. There's few things in life that I'll never miss. (laughs) And it's cracking a fresh beer. Opening a beer is one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm good, man. Actually, I am. I'm a little overwhelmed with life, um, but everything's good. You know, it's all good shit. It's just, it's just a lot. We got uh, our, our van, our minivan broke this last week and a half, about a week and a half ago, um, and so I spent, you know, six hours at a car dealership last week because you can't go to, I mean, it just takes forever, right? I, I, anybody who's even, about Yeah, no, just even if you know exactly what you're going to get, you walk in, I want that car, let me buy it. You're still there fucking six hours. Yeah. So got a new, got a new rig. Did you a, get the lifetime oil change offer? Did they really push that on you? No, we didn't. They didn't push that on us and we he, did not get that. He really pushed that on me and I was like, look, dude. I understand this is your job and selling starts at no. I totally get those two concepts. Stop. It's not happening. Complete the transaction. No, we we just our car just came with a five year I think yeah, whatever. Like five years of oil changes. So Oh. I mean that it wasn't like an option, it was just in the package. Hmm. Yeah. So got Toyota a new, care. Got, yeah, Toyota man. In fact, got a new whip. Um hybrid. Mm-hmm. We're hybrid drivers now, which I guess that's a thing. Good for snow, yeah, because they're yeah. heavy as fuck. I I got I I got all we got all wheel drive. I don't know anything about all wheel drive, but we have it. Also good for snow. Um, the car is a lovely like white pearl. Yeah. Also good for snow, mm-hmm. or maybe bad for snow. Real bad for snow. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I also have a house full of sick people. Mm-hmm. which has been fine. And I am T minus T minus at this point, 30 hours or so from uh launch of a watch brand, official launch of what launch of a watch brand. So I am, oh, also, by the way, you're holding down a full-time job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I settled a $4 million <laughs> lawsuit today. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, I'm not complaining. This is all really, really good stuff. Um, but it's, it's a lot. Yeah. I came home tonight and I said, Kim, all I want to do is sit on the couch, have a beer and watch a movie or a show with you. And she was like, that sounds great. What should we watch? And I was like, Oh fuck. I'm going to record a stupid podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Obviously this Sorry, is you have to my- sit in a chair and drink a beer at my house. <laughs> And be totally <laughs> unimpeded by the whinings of sick kids. <laughs> Forgive me. Andrew, how are you? I am also good, also busy. We are on the tail end of being sick. I had the flu last week. It was very unpleasant. The little one had it with me. He not as bad as me. And then the big one and my wife had like mild cases of it. But we're on the mend. I got... Like legit influenza? There's nothing else it could have been. Oh, crazy. There's just nothing. Like nothing else fits the symptom set. Ooh. Yeah. 
because it wasn't RSV, it wasn't a cold, it wasn't COVID. It was like just the only thing that fits the sim. It wasn't food poisoning. Mm. Like the only thing that fits the symptom set. So, but we're all on the mend. Uh, and I started feeling better on Sunday. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. For those of you listening today was Thanksgiving because you might or might not be listening. It's Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving. <laughs> and I started cooking like that's the thing that I do. I, I, I love to cook and I just started it all. I started all my prep work. So my beer fridge is void of beer and is totally filled by uh, the disposable aluminum trays. Oh, yeah, I know those with trays. like restaurant prepped stuff like so tomorrow morning when i wake up everything gets its like final preps gets hit with its last little bits i have a pretty complex schedule of events schedule for sam to follow where things are going in and out of the oven (laughs) things to do two things while they are in the oven because i have to work tomorrow night which means that during the like peak cooking period i'll be asleep Mm mm-hmm which is really just the ovening period. Like it's it's interesting that everything's prepped, everything's ready to go. All she, all she has to do tomorrow is follow the schedule of putting things in and out of the oven. She'll be fine. She's good at that. Stuff. Face the turkey a little bit, and perhaps depending on my sleep, make mashed potatoes. Did you like those noises? What the fuck was that? And why? Don't worry about it. Um, I do. I I do like making mashed potatoes personally. I think I, that's my favorite thing to make at at Thanksgiving because it's very satisfying and it's surprisingly little work. And then you get to add little treats. Oh, my favorite's the gravy. Mm, yeah, that's hard. Gravy's not hard. It's not hard, but it's like it's harder than fucking mashed potatoes. Not if you're making good mashed potatoes. No way. Gravy's hard. You got to like make a roux. You got to watch it. There's like things that go into a gravy. Mashed potatoes is just like squish, squish, squish. Uh, have you ever used a rice around mashed potatoes? No, but I read about that, uh, you know, in my like lead up to Thanksgiving and I, I was kind of intrigued by it. And I might get a ricer for for that purpose. I've always, and, and I like to do like, um, like farmhouse rustic style mashed potatoes. So I Same. skin on. Same. Like, just chop them, boil them, put them back in the pot, mash them. I leave the heat on while I mash them for a little bit to kind of just evaporate off just a little bit more of that moisture. And then I start hitting it with my additives. I like, hear me out here, I like 50-50 by weight red potatoes and Yukons. And I skin the the Yukons and I do not skin the red the reds. I'm with that. Yeah, it's, yeah I'm it's, with that. That's the way. That's the truth. But I've never, but I also recently read about this ricer where you can get smooth mashed potatoes. And I thought, well, maybe I'll have to give that a try. But I do, I also kind of like having like, I like some chunk occasionally. Me too. I like some skin, like a little bit of chunk. Uh, Yeah. I I also tried making Parker House rolls for the first time. Oh, okay. How'd that go? Everything went great except that my yeast didn't proof. But at the point that I realized that my yeast didn't perform, and I think I probably scorched it. I think I pr- tried to proof it at a little bit too high of a temperature because I turned my oven on. Uh, 
I, I like leave it at 200 for about two minutes. Like I set it to 200. It doesn't fully preheat. Oh, I see. I open it up and that's where I put my bowl into proof. So it's okay. probably at like oh, 100 and so degrees. You think you killed the yeast? I think I just got it a little bit too warm because it proofed when I was when I was on the counter. But then I hit it. Didn't fully prove like it didn't it didn't rise the way that I had expected it to. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I think I scorched this. And then I I finished it, right? Because at that point you've you've gone too far. You have to at least finish the recipe because everything's made at this point. It's just forming the rolls and just let's see how it goes. Uh the flavor is great. Exactly what I wanted. But they're more like cinnamon rolls. A little, a little dense. <laughs> they're they're cinnamon rolls and not Parker House rolls. Uh yeah. Which is a bummer because I love me that like almost cobwebby mm-hmm. texture of of good rolls like that. So I bought some of those, um, but the, I, I'm still gonna dunk those mm-hmm. cinnamon rolls in gravy. You know, back when I was making sourdough, the tip I got was to um, zap a bowl of water for many minutes uh, to get it very very hot. And then take like a like a tote, mm-hmm. put your dough in the tote with the hot water. Mm. Uh, that was the advice that I got making sourdough. And I think the moisture it, didn't cause an issue. Adding no, all that extra moisture in nope, the steam. Nope. And, and and I think it's significantly less likely to uh, to negatively affect your yeast. So yeah, maybe next time. That's the first time I ever scorched yeast with that method. I think I just, I, w- I was making it with the boys, so I was pretty distracted. Sure. So maybe you left the preheat just a, yeah, just a hair too long. Touch too long. Yeah. Sure. Uh, well, happy Thanksgiving, you guys. Happy Thanksgiving. And we're, we're thankful for each and every one of you. Very, I'm very thankful for them. Yeah. For all of you. For you. For them. For you. You're here. For you. That was weird. Right, well, whatever. I'm weird. And you ain't wrong. happy thanksgiving and we are on this thanksgiving we are talking about watches we finally there what are we like whatever probably 10 minutes 15 20 we'll see happens we'll see we're talking about watches we're gonna do a watches roundup we're doing two watches roundups in a row which happens that happens um and and it's happening for a good reason here one some pretty cool stuff but that's like, there's always cool stuff. But two, we've got a very, very cool interview lined up for next week. So yeah, we do. I'm going to tease it. I'm going to tease it. I'm going to leave it at that. There will be accents. Mm. So we'll leave it at that. Said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and And perhaps watermelon. Maybe. We'll leave it at that. Maybe. Uh, You'll just have to see. So with with the scheduling of the interviews, uh, we were switching things around and it was like, well, okay, we're gonna do we're gonna do another roundup this week. Yeah. We're gonna do another roundup this week. And that is what we're gonna do now. And I thought maybe, Andrew, if you'd be okay with it, I've got something I'm kind of excited to talk about. And I thought I'd start. How do you feel about that? Okay. <laughs> I wanted to start, actually, I wanted to start with something that a watch clicker person made. In fact, two somethings, but but I'm just going to oh, start yeah. with one of them. Um, Will, Daddy. Will, Daddy, the watch clicker, 
made a video this week and it is a YouTube video. You can watch it on YouTube. There will be a link in the show notes to this. If you're so inclined, click on that. But Will made one of these DIY watch clubs, club, club watches. (laughs) So he made the GMT 41 millimeter watch club watch. And he videotaped himself doing it. Hang on. I'm going to interrupt you. Okay. Will every once in a while, like, does these kind of, he throws us these curveballs mm-hmm. and suddenly this video drops. And we're like, wait, Will, when did you get this? When did you do this? <laughs> Where did you find time? And when were you going to talk to us about this? Like, yeah. we talk about all manner of stuff in our lives. All and day long. S- and somehow you missed, like, this, you, this was an oversight. You spent hours doing this. Huh? <laughs> all day long we talk. <laughs> and he's and he and he holds out on this on something like this. He's a holder outer. So this is a longer. This is a bit of a longer video. Um, I think most of our videos come in at. Well, I don't know un, under ten minutes. Yeah, they're, and when they're, I say hours, I'm taking ownership of things I I don't rightly have any ownership. We're of. partners. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So our videos are are normally uh, a little bit shorter. This one comes in pretty long. Andrew, do you know off the top of your... 20-ish minutes, I think. Yeah. So so uh, strap in. Strap in because it's it's really good. Um, Watch jokes. Yeah. I actually think it might be... I think this might be under 10 minutes. But um, anyway. I watched it. It's really fantastic. It 20 minutes he, if I watched it. I'll be he, real here. He does a good job with the angles and there's some it's, challenges. It's almost he, exactly 10 minutes. Felt like 20. <laughs> Because it was like, it was just high, a lot. High praise from Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, really, really cool. I, I thought I would direct you guys to it. Like I said, link in the show notes. Also, there is a 5% discount if you use on a DIY watch club kit, if you use the coupon code watchclicker5. Which so, we will get a small compensation in return for that's right it's an affiliate it's an mm-hmm. affiliate code so i think it's important that we know yeah yeah no we're, we're transparent about that mm-hmm. uh so yeah you, you're gonna go buy a watch kit you're gonna type in watch clicker five you're gonna save five five percent and we're gonna get money we get money mm-hmm. you're supporting our show and diy watch club which is cool this is the second one of these that will has done mm-hmm. and both times i've been like man i should do that it's, it seems just like a fun project. Yeah. Even if I'm not particularly fond of the watch that I'd be building, I think it'd just still be cool to do. Yeah. Like maybe it's the kind of thing like you get for a, I mean, it's a little, it's a little spendier for a fledgling watch, like for a kid, you know? Sure. Yeah. No. And these things are not, are not cheap, um, but, but they're also super affordable and you're getting like, uh, you're getting a really cool. You're getting a really cool watch out of this. So, um, hang on, I'm pulling the price for you real quick. All right, I should. It's something I should have done, but I didn't. And so, <clears throat> so for Thanksgiving, the GMT four hundred twenty dollars off of seven hundred. The Black Pilot two fifty off of three eighty five. But you're looking at like generally between 
three, like three to five hundred dollars for most of these watches. Yeah, but you're also getting components that are commensurate to that price point. They're just not assembled. <laughs> yeah, that that's right. Well, and and you're buying an experience, but but really premium materials. So the so the GMT comes with the um, Seiko Automatic GMT, the you, you know the the new sort of player, a hot player in the GMT, affordable GMT world. You're get, you're just getting really nice materials, ceramic bezel, sapphire crystal, all the goods. Yeah, I think these are fantastic. And these are lovely. And at, at even at $700, you're kind of you're landing south of which you'd expect because you're having mm-hmm. to do the assembly, but you're landing south of of companies who are doing very comparable and and perhaps yeah. even not as good of craftsmanship. And you're and you're getting a kit, and you're getting like a a, a watchmaking kit. This is mm-hmm. these are not Bergian tools or whatever, but they're going to be nice nice enough to to build this watch and to do modding. Uh, I did so on that note, Andrew. I'm gonna quickly. I'm gonna do an aside. Mm-hmm. I figured out some things this last week. So I have regulated. I have personally Regulators. regulated about, out. about ninety. Miyota 90S5 movements in the last week. Um, Harder or easier than you'd expected? Both. Uh, and in fact, I, I I said to Christian exactly that. It's both harder and easier. Um, it it's easier in that once you know, once you kind of get a feel for it, you know what you're doing. It's not scary. Um, it's not really difficult you you open it up and you've got a little that little lever and you you know move the lever until you get the timing where you want and then you're done harder um harder in a couple of ways uh you, you know the movements that you make on this lever are very small and and i found that when you move the lever it's very difficult to make small movements. So there's a friction point on these things. You know, you know, like like with anything that's held in place with friction, the lever is held in place with friction. So mm-hmm. so it's held down by a screw, and then it and then it turns. But you've got to apply enough force to break the friction. Mm. And there is it's razor thin. The margin is razor thin there. So once you've applied enough force to move it it's going to move. It doesn't, it's very tough to move these things small amounts. So like almost one of those tapping movement kind of things as opposed to like just a, a, a constant pressure? Yeah, you know, I, I've tried <clears throat> different techniques to sort of lock this in. Um, and, you know, I found the best way is rather than tapping to actually just apply very firm pressure and as gradually as possible to increase that but even still very difficult the the tapping motion for me wasn't working and that's something that i read about i was not able to get it to move at all with tapping really so um if you have any tips on this feel free to message um but yeah it's challenging it's it was challenging and also i've done it enough times now that i'm like but here's what i was going to say i realized why people buy expensive tools so i have like a 20 dollar i can't remember what you call the type of tool but a case back tool one of the ones with the three pins so you've got you've got a 
a rotator or, or a gear oh, yeah. at the top that spreads the top two most pins and then another gear that independently moves the third pin on a different axis. So the top two move on the spread on the x-axis and the bottom one moves on the y-axis. Depth. Depth, sure. Um, and these things, I've got like a $20 tool, which has always been just fine. And For one watch. That's right. For one watch once a month. Or, if. or what if is is fine um for doing all the watches in a short period of time it's not it's not good and, and but but you know when you look at the version tools you're like well that same tool from a swiss company is 275 dollars and how, why would i ever spend that much money when i have this tool that does a very adequate job guess who's an owner of a version case back tool how much better of a job let's say like mm relative to like a true side-by-side comparison obviously it was more enjoyable to use because it's finer finishing it's better production quality it's better materials we're not just talking about use like enjoyment of use actual practical application you know i think i think it is akin to like a walmart bike versus a, a real you know small store bike bicycle so no right <laughs> you, you know it everything <coughs> it it works exactly the same way right mm-hmm. you shift the gears and it goes up and it goes down and um you, you turn the pedals and it moves uh it, it, it's it's like that right the, the the inexpensive tool does all the same things but nothing works as well mm-hmm. and it's finicky in ways that are really frustrating you can't set it once and use it 40 times. Yeah. You have to adjust for every case back. That That's right. And it, and it yeah. comes out. So it's a huge difference. I, and, and so I wouldn't recommend it for someone who's occasionally modding watches or whatever. But um, gosh, it makes a huge difference when you're doing work like, like we're doing. I mean, it's, it is a huge, huge difference. And so, you know, little things like that. I'm, you know, now I'm realizing why people spend money on these expensive tools. So, um, all that to say, <laughs> is this the press? No, it is. I, there's a there's a term for this type of tool. Just just link it to me. We'll link this because yeah. it has become a other thing. Yeah, I will. I will. That can, can we move on now? Finally. Well, yeah, you've yeah. been talking. I'm really sorry. And I have something that's really cool that I want to talk about. Yeah, do it. Louis Vuitton this week has announced something very unusual for a lot of reasons. Mm. They will be hosting in a biennial every other year watch prize for independent creatives. Yeah, so what does that mean, independent creative? So here, it it doesn't really. (laughs) It's just sort of open to anyone in the watch world. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they have a, I have to to find it. They they have a, oh gosh, I'm sorry. I didn't cut the quotes out specifically. Um, So submissions are open to watchmakers, designers, entrepreneurs, recent graduates, and creatives from all around the world. 
as long as they're in the watch space, which I think is going to make this a really interesting award, right? I mean, I don't, award isn't really appropriate for what this is. It's somewhere between a sponsorship and a scholarship. Yeah. It, it's, it's really interesting. They have a jury who will evaluate all of the submissions that they receive. And there, it's not just like weird celebrity types. We're talking Hodinkee founder mm-hmm. and CEO are on this jury, right? They got, they, they got into the, into the independence of the industry and to the people who are in touch with that to say, look, we want to do this thing and you are the people who are going to be able to curate this most appropriately. Right. People register online. They do their thing. When they win, should they win, the winner will receive a one-year-long effectively like business mentorship and resourceship experience funded by Louis Vuitton with everything from marketing to copyright to design to just like, Hey, we'd like to, for some reason, invest in your business for a year. And then a year will go by and then they'll choose a new winner. This does Nothing for Louis Vuitton, as as I can see it. Besides being a really cool marketing campaign, it's not like they're in the industry. Yeah, but that's that's enough. I, I mean, right? I, like, I, I I read the article that you sent on this, and and I think it sounds like an amazing program. But it, it's it's laughable to expect this does nothing for Louis Vuitton. This actually creates in some ways uh, a space where Louis Vuitton is looked at to be like an industry godfather, right? Um, Are they trying to, are they trying to push themselves into the independent market? I mean, what it like, no, I I wouldn't think so. I I think rather (sighs) what they're trying to do is to create a community that is, that is bonded and united by, by Louis Vuitton, if if all of a sudden you've got all these independent watch companies that are all sort of vying in this Louis Vuitton space, um, you, you know Louis Vuitton not a, not a not a name that we think of as being associated with watches. I think Louis Vuitton is all of a sudden in in the space in a way that maybe doesn't really make sense in an important way with with, with the cool kids, right? In the, These are the cool kids. They showed up and made themselves one of the most sought-after cool kids. They're simultaneously the new guy and the senior quarterback. Right. Well, well, maybe maybe that's not right. Maybe they are the ones who are grooming. <laughs> Perhaps <laughs> they could right. be the sex predator because like this could also be just a, an opportunity for them to steal a bunch of IP <laughs> and launch their own luxury watches. It, it's interesting. <clears throat> I actually think it does sound very cool. It does sound like a, a, a great investment in the most exciting parts of the industry. But I think that that's 
that is the way you look at this. This isn't altruistic. Louis Vuitton does not do anything altruistic. It it doesn't make sense. They don't even, you know, a company like, I won't, I won't just put this on Louis Vuitton, a company like Louis Vuitton, even, even their, their charitable giving isn't altruistic, right? No, it's tax write off. (laughs) Or, or, you know, perhaps a marketing opportunity, right? So we, we can, we can both, we can say both things. This is really cool, but the, the article that I read suggested that this was, they get nothing out of this, which is just blatantly false. Patently false. Yes, but they're not, they're not generating independent, like unique revenue from this. This is an expenditure. It's deliberate. It's calculated, but it's an expenditure. Right. Right. I mean, and a company of this size and this magnitude doesn't, doesn't, spend money without a plan yeah. to recoup it. I'm I'm intrigued by this decision, especially into this broad of a space. Yeah. I'm also interested to see what the Hodinkee and Louis Vuitton collab will look like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about a watch? We should. So there's a watch that came out <laughs> recently that kind of got me excited. And this feels to me, I've got some selections tonight that felt to me like very vintage 40 and 20. And so I'm, I'm a little bit excited about this and at least one other. There is a watch brand called Tatoni. I believe I'm saying that right. Um, this is a watch brand that I believe just had one watch prior to now. And it was a big, ugly 600 meter um, dive watch. It's fine. It's fine. It's not ugly, It's but it's not for me. It's, it's a little, it was a little gaudy and a little, so they've released a second watch, which is very similar aesthetically, aesthetically to their first watch. Mm -hmm. If you look at it and then, and then immediately look away, if you like glance and then immediately look away, it's like, oh, it's that same watch, but it's not, it's, I think way, way, way better. So they introduced a watch called the C-Scoper. 300. Like it's tit on a sea scopper. <laughs> Which uh is I believe the sea scoper is or sea scopper is the same name as their first. They've just changed the letters. So yeah, it, it's gonna look similar. Um however, this is not a six hundred meter watch, it is a three hundred meter watch, and it's affordable ish, and it's attractive ish. So I think these are going for 1750, just under 2000 francs. Look, it, this is, this is a Rolex, right? This is a Rolex lookalike. We should be, we should say it's, it's a crash between a sub and a Helson. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, Andrew, that's a great call. I hadn't, I hadn't had that thought before, but, but I think you're right. It's super overbuilt. It's really mm -hmm. utilitarian with all of the sub feels. That's right. That's right. However, however, there's some cool things here. So we've got a cost certified SW200-1. We've got fantastic dimensions. We've got what look to be really phenomenal specs. So 42 millimeters, 12 and a half meter case, 300 meters of water resistance. Um, Great looking finish, right? The finishes all around this thing look stunning. Um, It might be a little big at 42, but, but I actually think this case is going to work great. Um, Oh yeah. They've got a, 
they've got a blue bezel and a green bezel. So you've got kind of like a, a Batman or a, or a Kermit feel, uh, great colors, interesting handset. I'm not going to call it a great handset, but it is a very interesting handset. And, and I say that in, a, in the best possible way. How would you describe that handset? Mm, like, uh, like calipers, I don't <laughs> Like the tong, their tong hands looks. I mean, the minute hand kind of looks like a tampon with two strings. Yeah, well, tampon handset. Yeah, um, but, I mean, it, but it's the, like a skeleton handled sword. Not unattractive though. I mean, no, right? it, it works. It's 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 different. I think this watch is cool. It, you know, for a sub watch, right? I, I mean, let's just call it like it is. This is mm-hmm. a sub watch. That's fine. But it's got a great movement. It's got good dimensions. The finishing looks phenomenal. Uh, the bracelet and clasp look fantastic. This has got a <clears throat> quick adjust strap or clasp that is not, you know, two and a half inches long. Um, <laughs> it it looks really fantastic. Right? No quick release bracelet. It's not cheap. It's not cheap. It's not cheap, but it's also not crazy expensive. I, I mean, and and it's Especially its own thing for, for what you're getting. Right, you're getting a sub homage that has some unique aspects. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's got the it's got the components that justify that price point. I you know my favorite part. Tell me, it's the porthole case back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. Case back looks great. It's it's very deliberately designed as a portal. There's a hinge. There's the two not real locking mechanisms. Obviously, it's a sealed case back, but the uh the the see through case back is a porthole. It, it's a little on the nose, but I, I'm cool with that. I I dig that. Yeah, and that's the one thing about this design that really stands out to me. Besides the, and I, I'm maybe I'm. A little sorry about describing it as a tampon with two strings, but that's <laughs> that's what it looks like. Yeah, that is. But but it it's it's also fine. So um, yeah, two thousand bucks. So take a look if you're interested in this kind of thing. Um, I think this watch looks great. Uh, n- no numbers on the on the bezel, which I like. Ooh. We've talked about that before when we talked to Tom Clements, and I said no, I'm not seeing this, and I love it. I- I'm down for this watch. I don't like the stamp on the clasp. It's oh, a little bit big. I like it. But it's a little big for me. I hear what you're saying. I like I like the clasp. Yeah. The size is great. I could go with a little bit more subtle branding on a clasp. Sure. Because that's pretty big etching. Yeah. Andrew, what do you got? I see what you like about it, though. It's just not quite it. <laughs> I want to talk about something that bugs me. Since I'm, I'm feeling a little negative today, apparently. Yeah, just fucking go. Let's do it, man. Give it to me. Gerald uh-huh, Genta. Uh-huh. What about that guy? We all know him. I've heard of him. He does some things. He 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 definitely has done some things for the, sure. The Gerald Genta Mickey Mouse watch returns. Now he plays soccer. Yeah, this watch is interesting. <sighs> I get that it's a World Cup. Time of year. Yeah. I'm excited about that. <laughs> I I love that. So so and when we talk about Gerald Genta, we're talking about the brand, the Gerald Genta mm-hmm. brand, 
which is owned by Bulgari. Mm-hmm. So, so when we talk about Gerald Gento watches, we we talk about lots of things. In this case, we're talking about the Gerald Genta brand, right. Owned by Bulgari, right? Which is that was an important distinction to make. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. You're fine. I'm just. I'm here. I'm here with you. I'm hosting with you. I'm. I'm well, but the, here's here's what is what makes me angry. Okay. And it's something. It, Tell the people why you're mad. It, it's just. It's something that I don't. I don't get. Right. We spend all of this time, all of this effort, all of this energy on looking for refinement of design, mm-hmm. things that are simultaneously really disciplined and really playful and striking that balance of creativity against restraint, which I think is the the hallmark of a fantastic design. You can see the explosion of creativity absolutely reined in by the restraint and the decisiveness of the designer, mm-hmm. right? You know, I, I think about any number of watches that are just absolutely beautiful. And you know... Many of them by Gerald Genta. Right. And you know that the designer, like the the person who came up with this design, is sitting on a, on a committee board and people are like, you got to get rid of this. You got to get rid of this. And this person is throwing a fucking tantrum. <laughs> you know it. Because they want their full idea to come to fruition, right? How many iterations of your dial did you come to? Oh, eight. Okay. Or thereabouts, yeah. And how upset were you (laughs) every time? Yeah. And we're not talking about something crazy here. We're talking about something very svelte. We're talking about something very minimalistic, very deliberate, which is sort of what most watches are defined by. Yeah. And yet for some reason, it's okay to throw Snoopy or Mickey (laughs) on these dials and be like, what the fuck is up? I, I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I've I've never understood the Snoopy on a Speedy. Like there's just no there there's no world that I can make sense of Snoopy being on a Speedmaster dial and a Weekender dial. I just can't reconcile that relationship. Mm. And Mickey is the same way for me. I can't accept that the Gerald Genta brand is dropping a 23 Gerald Genta brand is dropping a $23,000 watch that is about the same dial design as a $12 Walmart checkout aisle watch. I just can't get with it. I don't understand it. This this isn't a play on nostalgia for me. This is a, just a strange, strange thing. It bugs me. Because any other dial on this watch would be fucking dope. If you just throw it on white, you can even leave the red markers. 
get rid of Mickey. This is a, this is cool. You put Mickey on it, it, you've lost me. I don't get it. And if anybody out there does get it, I'm I'm ready for it. Do you get it? I, Are, does this bother you as much as it bothers me? De- no. Oh. <laughs> 100% no, it does not. Um, you, you know, I think that it is... Don't act all fucking tempered right now. No, I think that it's whimsical and no. and silly and fun. And if if watches are anything, they should be all of those things. So I'm I'm with you. I would never buy a Snoopy Speedmaster because it just doesn't appeal to me. But I am here for the whimsy of it. No, whimsy exists in different areas of this market. Well, we're all snowflakes, Andrew. No, a snowflake is a snowflake. <laughs> This is this is luxury. I like it when you get fired up. It's it, fun. It it just it bugs me. It always every time I like I see a like a scroll in the gram and I see a Speedmaster with fucking Snoopy on it. And people are excited about it. I'm like, what the f- what w- what is happening here? You, you know what's fun? Because these same people will turn their nose up and like, well, I think we should change the handset on this watch. No, fuck you. <laughs> You know what's funny is when you sent me this link, I thought you were going to say nice things about it. Not a single nice thing to be said. I'm so confused by it. I just don't get it. I don't get it. It bugs me. Stay in your fucking lane. Your lane is Hot Horology, super cool technical shit, really innovative design. This is a strange cop-out. It's the World Cup and here's Mickey too. Fuck. (laughs) So I've got a brand that I'd like to talk about that I've never heard of and I can't pronounce. Tits on me. Uh, <laughs> it's a sister brand. So this, this <laughs> is a watch by a Korean company, which I think is fun. And the company I believe is Varanchiri. And the watch is the Varan Chiri Blazer. And I probably fucked that up. I'm sorry. Kiri Varan Chiri. I don't know. I guess, you tell I think, me. I think you're right. I think you're I think Varan Chiri is probably the closest word. Varan or Varan Chiri. So yes. So the Varan Chiri Blazer is a new watch from again from a brand that I haven't heard of, but with connections to folks in the watch industry. So in particular, started by a name a man named JG Chin or or maybe there's another way to say that. Uh transliteration but, is trash. But they're a retailer, a watch retailer in particular for brands like Yema. Uh so this new watch this thing isn't I mean if you looked at this thing, you know, like okay, that's a that's a watch. But but as you get closer, you realize Man, this thing is pretty cool. So, um, th- so the owner, Mister Chin, uh, of Varanchiri, was actually did the thing that that we kind of poo poo, and and he pulled people. He did surveys of a bunch of watch fans, so seven hundred fifty watch fans, and came up with certain design and capability uh, criteria that he applied in this watch. So one of those was to use a Miyota movement because Jesus Miyota makes the coolest movement. Mm -hmm. So he's got a four Hertz Miyota movement. Um, He's got fantastic pricing. So I think these things are coming in at $600. 
$38. It's a great size. 38.5. This is mm-hmm. very much a steel sports watch in in the uh in in the way of a perhaps a, a date just or or an oyster perpetual. Um beautiful sword hands, beautiful steel markers, beautiful dials. This comes in five colors. Um 38.5 millimeters wide, which is which is amazing. By 9.7 millimeters thick, so under under 10 millimeters on the case. 45 millimeter lug to lug, lug lug to lug. Miota 9039, the no date Miota, um, which is just a fantastic movement. Um, great size, great bracelet. Uh, this also has a quick adjust clasp in this case it is the two and a half inch version of the quick but at 600 bucks right um so this is a kickstarter uh this is a kickstarter watch they're available now there will be a link i think that you can get these on on pre-order for like 400 bucks 420 oh shoot i just had it 100 100 meters of water resistance 420 yeah I think these things are fantastic. I'm kind of into it. I mean, this isn't this isn't moving the needle, uh, but it, it's got neat designs. There's this on the rehot or the the chapter ring. I'm not sure what you'd call it or if there's a difference in this context. Um, you've got this like Korean scribing. I'm not. I, I I read at some point what it was from, but my gosh, I think this thing is great. This is super affordable. Korean brand, which is interesting. It's got both like Swiss and Japanese styling. Um, I'm kind of into this. It, I think it's really cool. It looks super interesting. We've got a brushed and polished bracelet yes. and clasp that super, that matches all the way around. Pretty blingy. The the, the integration of the flip lock mm-hmm. is seamless. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Well, and, and this is an off the this is a off the shelf, but it, uh, but the class, the yeah. use of it for the refinement of the watch was the right choice. It looks like a fully milled clasp. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you can stand. That's a fully milled milled clasp. It looks dope. Yeah, I, I'm into it. Five colorways. This is coming in. It's got like a like an emerald green, a teal, a, a beautiful sunburst blue, and then white and black. Um, man, I, I, I think that this is just a very cool, affordable, exciting watch. You know, it's not even exciting. That's not the right word. It's like refreshing. This is a refreshing watch. And it's, I'm excited to see what the Korean watch market has for us over the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. We've seen a couple bangers come out and I think that that's probably the next emerging market it, it it very well could be you know korea is a very interesting uh market in that you, you know 30 years ago korea was making shitty cars and those same brands today are making the best cars in the market so between hyundai and its sister brand kia You've got like three JD Power and Associates 2022 car of the year. Yeah, uh, I, I mean these these brands reflect what I think is 
manufacturing capabilities that go far beyond what you know we would have expected was possible 20 30 years ago so they've got uh, obviously they've created um an ecosystem uh, uh an economic system perhaps or, or or a manufacturing system or whatever in korea that's capable of doing amazing things so i think you might be onto something that korea may be um a, a potential hotbed uh source of really neat things but but also perhaps watches because uh, within that there's there's this like spirit of a, the combination of this is how we do it with innovation right like we're gonna do it this is gonna get done yeah and innovating simultaneously they the korean manufacturing market never gets seems to get st- stuck in a rut it is consistent this year it gets better next year it's consistent that year it gets better it's constantly improving its consistency is is kind of unwavering it's like it's shitty 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 okay 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 good 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 very good very good very good you, you know <clears throat> and, and we should say i don't know what if any parts of this watch are being made in korea but um cuz we don't have any we don't have any understanding of that and there mm-hmm. are other korean watch brands that i'm aware of that are mostly making homage type stuff. So (coughs) it's unclear to me if this is a Korean watch in any meaningful sense of that word, but it is certainly a watch coming out of Korea. And I think that's fun and exciting and and I'm here for it. Most American watches are made in China. (laughs) But reflect a lot of American ideology. Can confirm. Yeah. Andrew, what do you got? Okay. Next up for me, are you ready to talk about something that, um, Kind of harkens back to another one of our episodes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Australia is trying to get rid of the leap second. Yeah, what the fuck is this? You can't just get rid of things, Australia. You you got like eighty people. Exactly. What is so so? This come is, on, Australia. This is a when when I say it's a harkening back when we when we talked about what is time, we discussed leap years and leap seconds uh and and what it comes down to is that our interpretation or attempt to define time was pretty inconsistent with how actual time works sure there's 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 some imperfections to yeah. to plotting time on a completely linear on and, a completely linear curve and we settled on this method and we realized, oh, is it okay if we just review really quickly what a leap second is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. everybody's aware of what a leap year is. Uh, imagine a leap year, but in the concept of a second. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because the way it's a, we it's a micro adjustment. Yeah, it's it's a micro adjustment so that we have just a leap year every four years, mm-hmm. as opposed to you know like a leap week. Yeah. Well, and, and and leap unlike leap years, so leap years every four years. Unlike leap years, leap seconds occur seemingly at random intervals. And in recent past, we've had negative mm-hmm. leap seconds to correct overcorrections or perhaps to... Yeah, I Who don't, knows? I don't, because we, are, we attempted to define something that we don't fully understand. Yeah. Like to control something <laughs> that we don't fully understand. Nor can we ever be fully in control of. Yeah. Right? Like we said, you know, winter starts on this day. 
Well, motherfucker, it was 70 degrees on that day, and then it snows at the beginning of spring. Like, we just don't get to control certain things. And that's where the leap second comes in. It comes in to accommodate the fact that we're trying to define and pattern something that is otherwise unpatternable. So, two questions. Mm-hmm. One, what exactly is Australia trying to do and and how will and subpart how will that affect how will that affect the rest of the world how do how does that interaction work and two who the fuck do they think they are it, yeah so so that's that's the important thing so <laughs> so australia is going to take we this, love australia by the way they're, they're going to take australia. this petition to get rid of leap seconds which affect nobody there is like it's it's just an accounting mechanism that yeah, doesn't I, affect you. I'm not sure that's true. I, I think with our increased reliance on computers, on computing for everything we do, I think the leap seconds have the capability to cause really major headaches, which is the main motivation for this move. That's that's the way I understand it, is when we incorporate leap seconds, we can have, there can be, real, like I think a few years ago, Twitter went down for like three hours or, or something like that. I mean, who cares about Twitter? I probably shouldn't even said that word because people are blah. Uh, but, or, or maybe it was a different website. Let's just say it was a different website. Some, some website went down for a long period because of a leap second. So I think it, can, it possibly can affect people. Their proposal. <laughs> you look like you were about to fall asleep when I was talking just now. It It's because it's, I, I understand and simultaneously don't. So the the Australian proposal, and they're bringing it to what's the summit? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember. An upcoming summit in Paris. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's just it's a Paris summit. That's where all the things happen. Their proposal is to rather than have just keep track of all leap seconds that occur. So continue this this charade. <laughs> for 12 years. You're so salty tonight, man. I'm here for this. And then pause it for a hundred. Fuck it. And then in a hundred years, apply all the leap seconds. Because there, there, you know, there's the possibility of a negative leap second. Mm-hmm. Right. So there could be so so theoretically, under this proposal, over a hundred years. It would be a, a major muscle movement mm-hmm. that would potentially be a really minor muscle movement because of the very small variations that occur at seemingly random intervals, both in the positive and the negative, that would ultimately cancel out. And rather than a single leap second that could put a otherwise very large social media network down for a period of hours. And what would we do without it? It would be a synchronized all at once. Change your clocks. Mm -hmm. Three seconds backward. (laughs) So that's the idea, which is actually really reasonable rather than fucking around with it constantly. And trying to make these micro adjustments as they occur, it's like just let's just let's just ride this out. 
Let's see how it goes. And in a hundred years, if we're off course, let's make a minor correction. Yeah. Rather than making 10,000 micromanaging adjustments over that time period. Yeah, because we're not we're not talking about we're not talking about a big correction either. It's not gonna be it's not gonna be you, you know March 14th again. 20 and, minutes, right? No. It this is gonna be like maybe a minute. Perhaps a hundred seconds. At the absolute yeah. absolute worst case scenario, one hundred yeah. seconds. Yeah. Well, you know what, Australia? I, I think what you're innovators. amazing. That's some innovation right there. You do you. I'm here for it. I love the American spirit of Australia. Like, don't tread on me. <laughs> I don't think I mean, you're going to offend somebody. <laughs> no, but that's what it is. It's like, hey, let's quit. Let's quit worrying the about American this. American spirit of Australia. <laughs> let's quit worrying about this weird minutia. Yeah. This doesn't matter. It's okay. Let's stop being dumb. And let's let's chill for a minute. <laughs> and if in a hundred years it's a problem, that's their problem to deal with. And by the way, They'll figure it out because it doesn't matter. Hey, take take a break. Everybody yeah. take a break. No, I I I really dig this idea. And I and I think, I mean, it it's a totally nothing idea, right? It affects no one. And it kind of just makes sense. Like, why is this even something that a delegation has to plan a proposal? Perpetual calendar wearers everywhere rejoiced. Yeah. Um, I've got one. Do we? Uh, this is a watch. This is a watch we both selected. And so. Mm, yeah, we do need to talk about this one. And so we can talk about this. So a few years ago, there was a movie. It was called Interstellar. It had Matthew McConaughey in it. Is that how you say that name? M- McConaughey. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, that movie featured a watch. Two watches. Really? Uh, one of which I own, the other of which being the watch we've we've uh, lovingly referred to in the watch world is the Murph. The Murph came out, I think, in 2018 or 2019. It was con- um, uh, 2019. 2019 it was contemporaneous with the movie, wasn't it? I think I think just afterwards. Okay. Uh, I think just afterwards it was protoed for the movie, wasn't it? It, it was. So yeah. the movie the movie had a watch that didn't actually exist. So yeah. the, the watch was made for the movie. Hamilton made it kind of a one-off. They've done this before. And then people were like, where the fuck is that watch, Hamilton? And so <laughs> like, Hamilton was we got like, you. <laughs> yes, yes, we will. Uh, and it's about a, release, right? It, like, that's right. If you could drop the foster, <laughs> like I could do some short films and maybe get some foster representation in there. And then we'll just see what happens. Let's <laughs> see if everybody just like begs us for it. Yeah, no. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and, and this watch is really cool, you guys. Be so, a brand ambassador. <laughs> Yes, you can. The, the Murph is um, the the Murph is one of the I would say more beloved Hamiltons uh, because it's cool, right? It's got some really incredible details because it was beloved prior to its release, prior to its yes. existence, it was loved, and, and and they did a really good job with it. They did. They did a really good job with the actual watch that people would wear in, in ways that that are fun and not tacky. You, you know, a lot of these Bond watches are tacky in ways that that are you know kind of weird this wasn't this wasn't that this was really tastefully done and really neat and and an homage to to a film that that a lot of people really liked but in ways that didn't feel overt or over the top so fantastic watch one big problem it's huge it it's it, it it's appropriately sized for 
A pilot's watch. 42 millimeters. Might even be on the small side. But actually, I don't want a pilot's watch. I just want a watch that's going to be easy to wear. And the Murph yep. is too big. For me, I found that it was too big. Uh, so Hamilton, being the amazingly accommodating company that they are, has released just this week a 38 millimeter version of the Murph with an H10. Fucking A. 11-1 thick. This is a killer watch. Of water resistance. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. If they could, if they could do a white loom instead of vintage loom, mm-hmm. that's the only objection. That's I have. the one. Yeah. That's the one. That is the only objection I have to this watch. Eight ninety five. Cheap. Cheap. Well. Okay, so not cheap, but fucking a. Certainly not. I mean, this could be a fifteen hundred or a or a yep. two thousand dollar watch. It could be. Yeah. What's their H10 based off of? What are they using as their foundation? I think movement? the H10 is a 2824 yeah. that has been modified to so lower hertz but longer power reserve. Yeah, because it's an 80 hour power is. reserve. Yes, yes. So yeah. they 216. Yeah, that's right. So they basically reduced the beat rate in the interest of a longer power reserve, which, as we've talked about on the show a number of times. Andrew thinks is silly because he only wears watches for a day or two at a time. I agree with him, but I think for a person who wears just really one watch or perhaps even two, this is a great thing. I love the H10 movement. I don't personally have the need for it like Andrew, but because I'm a reasonable person, I can appreciate it for what it is. I can, I'm not I'm a reasonable person. <laughs> yeah, I just, well, it's just like it doesn't do it for me. <laughs> it just, I, I, it's cool. I get it, but it just doesn't. Doesn't rev my engine. <laughs> I think this watch is really cool, man. I, I think that this is, uh, considering it's not doing anything, it's not doing anything. It's just smaller. I, I shouldn't think this watch is so cool, but it's like, yeah, Hamilton. But, but they sized go. it right. They sized it consistent with what the people want right now, right? Which is smaller sizes. You know, the 36 to 39 space is where. That's where the money's at, mate. That's w- that is. That's where the money's at. That's where watches are working right now. You know, we see success in 40, 41, 42, but those are big watches right now. We're not, we're not on the large scale dealing in 44, 45, 46 anymore. We're dealing in really small, refined, like I said, the 36 to 39 zone. You, you know, I talked recently to the owner of a micro brand, and I'm not sure he would be uh, comfortable with me me sharing this, so I won't tell you wh- exactly what company it is. I will tell you that the name rhymes with Shraven and also starts with an R, uh, but... He said something really interesting uh, to me, this anonymous brand owner of this anonymous brand, that um, there's actually a market vacuum in bigger watches. There's a huge market vacuum. Right now, there's a market vacuum in 42, 43 millimeter watches, which I think is interesting. Um, This person, obviously fantastic watchmaker, has an 
a, a ton of really good watches in the market that and would is, really appropriately exist in that world. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So it, it's interesting. It was an interesting thing to to sort of wrestle with because when we started this, Andrew, just a few years ago, um, and, and and even before that, when we were really getting into watches, it really felt like there's this dearth of of watches that are. 40 and 20, right? Like everything. 40 was small. And that's right. That's right. And and so we've, sh- the industry has shifted so much that there's now a vacuum in those historically, like the standard size of watches. This is an interesting idea. I do like what Hamilton's done here, but now that we've hit this saturation point, you know, I think I think we're just going to see. I think these next five years are going to be interesting to I see. I think we're going to see go. a lot of sibling releases at thirty eight and forty two. Yeah, we're. I, th- I think we're going to see a lot of that over yeah. the next few years. Where hey, this is the same watch at thirty eight as it is at forty two, and we're going to see. I think maybe some some boring designs that lend themselves to being able to be scaled up and down like that. Because there's something to be said for something designed deliberately for 42, right? You can, you can work, you, you've got more space to work with. You got more space to design with. You've got in a 38, you've got to be a lot more diligent and respectful with the space that you're working with. And I'm concerned that that will lend itself to being boring Hmm. or the worst case scenario is we're going to see a lot more bezel to accommodate single size dials in a 38 and a 42. Yeah. That I, I think that's the wrong way to go. That's the wrong way to go, but yeah. we're going to see it. Yeah. We're absolutely going to see it because it's easy well, and it's cheaper. Yeah. Right. We're going to see new brands who are trying to capitalize on the market of now against this market that is kind of being untended to because everyone's tending towards, Oh, we want watches smaller. We want watches smaller. Nobody's carving out their space and like, no, we live in the 42 to 44 space. These are the size of our watches. This is the size they will always be because a lot of the brands that we generally talk about are chasing the market or leading the market, right? Right. They're trying to spearhead it or they're right on the heels of that spearhead, right? They're not the spearhead, but they're the, you know, the sides of the spear (laughs) as opposed to the tip. They're still the cutting edge, but they're not the, you know, the pointy part. Uh, and, yeah. and no one, no one's saying, nope, this is where I am. Well, there's brands that are out there that are saying that. Yeah. But by and large, we're seeing a lot of shift and a lot of, uh, I, I think the nimbleness of the small brand community is, is a little bit of a weakness in that like controlling of the market. Right. You know, yeah. Cartier is doing what Cartier has been doing forever. Sure. Rolex is doing what Rolex has been doing forever. And I don't think small brands can do that because they're not those brands. They have to follow the dollar. Because if you show up and you have something that nobody wants and nobody likes, <laughs> you don't survive. So we're going to see that nimbleness as a weakness. It'd yeah. be cool to see some brands that like, and, and I think Notice is a good example of this. Notice can have 
unsuccessful lines at this point in small quantities, right? I think, I think there's brands out there in this space that can afford. Oh, I see what you're saying. To, sure. to, to have, to take some risks. Yeah, I mean, and Christopher Ward is maybe a better example. I yeah. think, I think probably, yeah. probably a much better example. They can have skews that just exist to fill that void because they're gaining so much in other categories that they're not going to have these lost sales in this category because they, they've got something there sitting yeah. ready and on hand, which is part of what makes this space that we live and work in so challenging is that it has to be so simultaneously cautious mm-hmm. and innovative. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, not to take this back to foster, but, but, but yeah, to do so, but to, but to, <laughs> yeah. to do so in, in fact, uh, yeah, I, I, I we couldn't foster couldn't afford to have a watch be released. So if our second watch was a meh, uh, it, it would the, probably be your last. It probably would, yeah. So it, it's it, it's interesting. Um, it, it's interesting to to think about that, right? Do, when do we get to a place with foster where we could have a meh watch or or a watch that was perhaps not going to be the tip of the steer, but just kind of tip of the spear, but tip of the steer is different. Uh, Since his nose <laughs> or something wholly different that you don't want no part of. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, you, you know, you, we do need to see some of these more powerful brands pushing watches that are challenging in a way that's risky and risky, meaning how oh, well this, this might not be a huge seller, but this is a watch that's interesting. But Christopher so, Ward has plenty of those. Yeah, they, they have, they have they plenty do, of watches absolutely. and I'm just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> You're going to release an hour, an hour chime. And also this like in the same week. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool. 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 Bold move. <laughs> Andrew, we have talked about a bunch of watches. We've talked about a bunch of watch things. We've even talked about things that are only vaguely related to watches. Is there anything that we, uh, haven't talked about today that we need to. Mm. Have I talked about the uh, Gerald Genta Mickey watch? Yeah, <laughs> we did. Okay. Out. Then I think I think I think I've nailed all of the the things that I wanted to hate on. I read a, I read an article uh, in preparation for this about the five best. Uh, g-shock releases of the year ah i can't say i argued with any of the picks but i was also kind of like we've talked about a lot of these watches and they were exciting at the time yeah but looking back on 2022 meh you know we've been going for an hour and 10 minutes god we have which is a long time but i do think so two roundups in a row a set of watches has been on our list and I I think we're at risk at at the risk of passing over these two watches for a second time at at the risk of, I think we should talk about a couple of new Casio releases. Oh yeah. Because the second time in a row we've had this on our list, let's, let's give these guys a chance. So, so, Casio has released two. Look, these aren't. This isn't a huge deal, but Casio's got an A one 
thousand model, which is kind of kind of a, a famous a famous Casio, and they've released this thing in two colorways most recently. So A one thousand, you'll know the case. It's kind of like a uh, it's a little bit beefier F ninety one. It's a beefier F91. It's got like a, a really octagonal case with kind of sharp angles. Uh, it comes on bracelets, probably awful, terrible Just bracelets. Just terrible, but also so good all at the same time. <laughs> it has lugs. Finally. This watch has lugs, which you, my, your F91 does not have lugs. Mm-hmm. However, my F84 does Off. have lugs. Yeah, it does. Um, but the A1000 <laughs> has lugs. Uh, and and they've they've released two versions of this. So one of these is a is a blacked out rag and bone collaboration, and the other is a gold with a mesh bracelet version of these. Not not collaboration. Um, and I I think these are sexy, man. I think in particular the rag and bone collab is got some appeal to me because this is a, a, a like a cool collaboration i'm not a huge rag and bone guy or anything but um i think that's fun i think this is like the kind of thing you could pick up for not a lot of money uh and and just have and it's always going to keep good time these are expensive though. 179 bucks yeah the, these are expensive it, it as excited as i am about this design there are other casios yeah that fit the bill it, and, for, and the rag and bones 250 yeah, for for under well under a hundred bucks That's for fifty right. bucks for nine bucks, I would I, I get would, this. I understand the pricing, but I, I would expect that both of these are going to be better watches than a fifteen, a fifteen dollar a one thousand yes. or a thirty dollar a one thousand. But they're probably not going to be a two hundred and twenty five dollars better. Uh, so so you are paying. You're paying a lot of money for what these are, I think, if I had to guess. But what? But whatever, it's just money. But but also... It's just money. I just bought a $45,000 car, Andrew. Who cares? It's a $250 watch. Let's do it. Sapphire Crystal on a Casio is... Yeah. yeah. It, it might be worth the price just for the oddity. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's interesting. There's people that have world timers that they've modded with the same amount of money. Fuck it. Yeah. There's also people who have world timers who just squirted olive oil in that bitch. And <laughs> <laughs> so these are cool. Uh, oh, shoot. Who, uh, affordable. Oh, who did it? Affordable wrist time had a uh, post recently, like in the last two weeks, with a Santos and a world timer side by side. I was like, that's how you do it. My man. That, that he, like he's totally speaking your language. I, I went and after his post, I was holding him side by side, my hands, and I was like, yeah. Yeah. This is my travel watch. <laughs> you should double wrist them. I feel I've worn watches on my left wrist and I do not like it. Same right wrist for me. I, I've done that a few times and it is awkward as get out. Since we're talking about some, some wrist, uh, Switch hitting. Um, <laughs> I got to say, the, the most unexpected enjoyment I've gotten from my Santos, being that I wear it on my right wrist, mm-hmm. I get to see the crown 
a lot. Oh yeah, which uh, a, a which normal I, person doesn't which, get. Exactly, a normal person rarely gets. You have to. That's a weird angle to try to point the crown at your face. I see it all the time, wearing it, and it is. That's that's experiencing it regularly and looking back to my first experience with that watch that's maybe one of the things that like really did it for me was that sapphire inset into the crown because it's gorgeous it's this it's this color experience that you never get when you're wearing a watch you see your crown all the time but you never look down at a jewel right in your crown it i enjoy it so much that i've started looking for real tentatively to get one of the xl100 like pointed sapphires and and to see if i can replace that crown onto my watch would you please for the love of god have a professional do this yeah no i won't do it myself okay. I'm just picturing you with like tweezers and super glue, like tweezers and super glue. It's fucking sawzall and duct tape, man. Uh, no, but I've started looking at it and seeing at the at the practicality of that, which which I won't I won't do because this sure, you know. But that would be cool, Andrew. Other things. What do you got? I got something. So I. Can you please have something exciting? Because I, the thing I'm going to talk about is not exciting. It's not exciting. I have a fun cookbook. Ooh, uh, that is and, exciting. And for those of you who are somehow unfamiliar with Jet Tila, he is a chef and TV personality. He's got numerous successful restaurants. He's on cooking shows. He's everywhere, right? Like, this is a guy that you know. He's homies with Alton Brown. Just just go watch Cutthroat Kitchen. You can't watch five episodes without seeing Jet. Okay. So he has a cookbook. 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 He's got a cute butt, too. He's got a cook cookbook. 101 Asian dishes. I cook pork butt all the time. 101 Asian dishes you need to cook before you die. I maybe should mention, for those of you who somehow don't know who he is, he's an Asian fella. <laughs> so it makes sense that he's making an Asian cookbook. Okay. So he he starts out with like in this really approachable, um, oh, what's that vegan cookbook that I had? There, there was this vegan cookbook. It was like fucked up cookbooks or something like that. Like it was just like their whole their whole shtick was that in their recipes they're cursing. Oh, I like that. Um, he has an approachable feel, and he, in this really approachable and easy way, breaks down Asian cooking, not just by like Asia, right? Because Asia is an enormous place with extraordinary diversity. Some might call it a continent. Eh. <laughs> I mean, they're, they wouldn't be wrong. Um, but his whole thing is like, look, the reason your Chinese food and your Korean food and your, like all of your, your various dishes 
taste the same is because soy sauce is not the universal Asian ingredient. <laughs> Using soy sauce and ginger is not how you make Asian food. In fact, Asian food isn't really a thing. Right. So he's really deliberate about breaking down these different flavor profiles from different regions within this enormous continent that is varying from nigh on Africa. Sure. All the way to the Pacific Ocean, right? We have this just huge geographical region that in in most of our minds in the culinary world is distilled down to southern China, which is not the case. Mm. So <clears throat> he's super deliberate and really easygoing about look, if you're if you're trying to cook for this region, these are the flavors that you're gonna find. This region, these are the flavors that you're gonna find. And he kind of spreads it out so that you 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 get an idea of the flavor profiles throughout these many regions and then has 101 different recipes that are all super simple. So one of his, uh, like my, one of my go-to, I'm gonna make Thai food is drunken noodles, also known as pod K Mao. My favorite, my favorite at Thai restaurant. That's the way, that's the way to go. That's my always go-to. It's super easy. All of his ingredients are, if they're not available at a local Asian market, they're definitely available on Amazon, and they're they're not crazy. And so not only do I really like this cookbook because it's well illustrated, it's easy recipes, it's not like 24-hour cooks, it's like 30 to 40-minute cooks. It's broken down to stir-fry, Grilling, noodles, soups, some sushi, salads, dumplings, which are one of my absolute favorites. Same. I could live on dumplings. Same. And then sweets and drinks. And then beyond that, he's got like, okay, you really want to take it up a notch. Here's some sauces. Here's some broths, some stocks, and ways to take this from like, oh, this is good, to like, this is good. Yeah. This is killer. I love this book. And it's a cool dude who like I have like I see him on tons and tons and tons of television shows. And I was like, I know you, Jet. Yeah. I'm excited to read your book. He doesn't know me. We're not friends. But now I cook out of his kitchen. And you know him. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> so not totally off topic. I recently was talking to uh, a longtime listener of the show and we were discussing the possibility of a 40 and 20 tour, perhaps where we record episodes on site in different places. And it came up that perhaps we should record in different places at different Chinese food restaurants because I'm a big fan of Chinese food. I like finding good Chinese food places. Like two of them. W- oh, we, no, you're thinking like a like a tour. That's right. So, like so we, go, we go to whatever, Maryland. <clears throat> perhaps and record with someone there at a Chinese restaurant. And 
we were talking about this. I, it, it was a very goofy conversation, not serious at all. But in the course of this, I said we could name the series Watches and Wontons. Like Watches and Wonders. But I think the Travel Channel might be down with this. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I think so. We need to pitch this. When maybe, I, maybe we've screwed up by putting it on our podcast. We've we've lost we've lost the IP here. There was a there is a show on Discovery, I think, and this guy just like tries to seek out uh like mythical adventures. It's like Destin, destination unknown or something like that. Yeah, 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 sure I know what you're talking about. And when I watched that for the first time, I was like how the fuck did he sell how this? How do you get this job? Yeah, right, cuz this guy he's he's not He's, he's charismatic. He's, you know, reasonably attractive for a dude in his mid forties. Who's just a little overweight and, you know, like clearly not a model. He's an intelligent fellow, but how do you sell this? Like, where do I need to go to pitch? Like, Hey, I'll host this show, whatever you have. I I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. But if you like, you want me to go in a wetsuit and dive and like pick up, sea urchins i'll fucking do that i don't care what you want i won't even write it just tell me what to do and i'll do it this guy just goes and he tries to like find these mythical things that he knows he's not gonna find yeah he's not blowing anything out of the water or doing anything like (laughs) incredible he's just making lots of money doing fun shit even if he's not making lots of money even if he's just making okay money traveling the world eating good food and like hey we're gonna go look for the remains of amelia Earhart. Don't nobody know where that shit is. And if they did, they aren't bringing a Discovery Channel camera crew with them. I'm salty tonight. You are. Andrew, I've got another thing. Do me. I I apologize in advance because it's boring. It's boring, but it's so good that I wanted to talk about it here. So we've talked about a lot of fun stuff. We talk about podcasts. Sometimes we talk about movies. We talk about knives, flashlight, manly things. Cookbooks. Cookbooks. We talk about fun things. This is not fun. But it has been a big thing in our household. This has been a big event for us. This has improved our quality of life in meaningful ways, especially recently. So I have uh, owned in my adulthood, let's say, uh, probably about 20 thermometers. And they always are, they're always terrible, right? Maybe maybe 10. You give me that look. I don't know how many. I'm just That's guessing. A lot. Well, but the thing about a thermometer is they're cheap. You buy them for like five or ten, or or maybe maybe you get get crazy and you spend fifteen, uh, and they're annoying. Like the mouth thermometers oh, are annoying. God. Um, we've had we a, a few years ago we bought a thermometer that you like rub the forehead with, and it, yeah, anyway. it's irritating. It's and irritating and not good. You have to take four measurements. That's right. So so we've had lots of thermometers. None of them have been good. Our thermometer recently broke. We had a thermometer and it was just a thermometer and it wasn't good and it broke because it was shitty. And so I tried to figure out a good thermometer. Like I want to buy a, a good, easy to use home thermometer. And I and I and Did I one of the rectal ones? I I didn't, but that was on the that was on the, in the cards. Uh, no, I bought a thermometer from a company, a German company, a famous company, uh, a very good company called Braun. 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 
which is a great name for a company, by the way. Uh, I, I bought a Braun thermometer. This is the NTF 300 US Braun no-touch forehead thermometer. And I was a little bit skeptical about a no-touch thermometer, right? Some hospital-grade shit, man. So this is not expensive, but it's not cheap. It's like, I think I paid 45 bucks for this. It's available on Amazon 38 right now. And this thing, I don't. I assume it's going to last a reasonably long time because it's... Uh, You'll change the batteries in it before you get rid of it. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, this thing's phenomenal. It is phenomenal. So so through COVID, we've used shitty uh, thermometers. We... we I feel like I missed a significant portion of the last two and a half years having used shitty thermometers because as soon as I got this thing and I turned it on and I took West temperature, it was like, bruh, what have I been doing? Go get a good thermometer. I think that there's a few thermometers that are really popular that are kind of in the same price range and do really similar things. So I'm not saying this thing is better than those because I haven't tried them. What I am saying is this thing is going to work. If you just get one of them and you get this one, you're going to be happy with it. Uh, Man, I didn't know how. So I say this as my son has had between 100 and 100 literally five degree fever over the course of the last three and a half days. Um, and so we've been using it a lot. It is such a joy to use a nice thermometer. It's easy. Nobody has to stick it in the mouth. Nobody's waiting. It's instant. It seems to be pretty accurate from what I can tell, at least accurate enough for government use. I mean, this thing is, gosh, I was like, why have I not just gotten a good thermometer a hundred years ago? Also, the kids love it. I dropped off a strange grocery order at your house today. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and when I walked in, was met by my very sick son celebrating a 100.2 fever. Yeah. I was like, neat. So an hour after that, he was at 103.7. Got it. He yeah. looked he looked rough. Yeah, he's he rough. was like sweaty and I could tell how clammy he was at a distance. And I was like, back the fuck up. Please bro. do not come near me, child. <clears throat> no. Yeah. He got whatever. He had the same shit that I had. He's rough. So uh, get a thermometer. We're going to have a link to the show notes for this one. We are not getting affiliate links for this, although I feel like the way I've talked about it, we should try. I'm going to call Dieter Roms and say, hey, homie, can you give us some money? Uh, This thing's fantastic. (laughs) He never gets that call. (laughs) It might be so like startling to him oh uh, i think I, dita roms is dead just just not uh, to besmirch his not but, to be but to his like name here. For, for weird phone calls i had an interaction with a fella recently uh who about two days prior to my interaction with him he had an interaction from uh the the u.s secret service oh boy because he somehow made a direct phone call to the White House Situation Room. Nice. Which, like, when I learned that information, I was like, how can a person call that phone number? Did you have, like, a certain amount of respect for him at that point? Given the context of my interaction with him, no. Um, (laughs) But it, it was like, I get that that's an unlisted phone number. 
right? You, you can't just randomly get there. But why the fuck is that a phone number? How is that not like it's a bat phone? You pick it up and it rings somewhere. Like how would how can you call it? it I imagine calling Dieter is is similar to that. Like he gets a phone call, and he's like, "What the fuck's what? This is real. I gotta answer that shit." Hey, Everett, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Andrew, I think we've done it. We have done as, it as we do. Do do you do you have anything you'd like to add? Sorry, um, I was so salty. No, don't be sorry. Don't ever apologize for that. Let your tonight. let let your salty flag fly. It happened. Hey, you guys! Thanks for joining us for this episode of Forty and Twenty, of the Watch Clicker Podcast. As per the usual, check us out at WatchClicker.com. If you'd like to follow us on Instagram, you can do that at WatchClicker or at Forty and Twenty underscore WatchClicker. Look, we lost the Instagram. Long it's story. Fun. Don't ask. Uh, if, if, if you, if you'd like to support us and we really hope you do, you can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. We love all of our patrons and we'd love you if you became a patron. So yeah, 40 and 20 patreon.com slash 40 and 20. And, uh, Hey, don't, don't forget to tune in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. <laughs>